Hello, everyone, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie, a, a testament to the filmmaker's art, a film that everyone references, everyone looks to, everyone either praises or revi- re- reviles. Is that a word? Am I just making words up now? It's a um, perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> Or a movie that uh, people uh, unilaterally hate across the board and has become legendary for its vileness. And we take a look at it fresh and new with brand new, somewhat youngish eyes, or middle-aged eyes in my case, and Steve's little baby eyes in his case. Aww. I'm making you younger than you actually are. Thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm going after the youth demographic. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the young one. He's young and hip. He, yeah. he, he likes craft brews. And uh, what else is good? Baseball caps. You do like baseball I caps. I do, but I wear them properly. You mean not I- ironically? Not ironically, not skewed to the side, and not backwards unless I am playing catcher. Okay. Well, you know, uh, George Carlin wants you to take that fucking thing off. <laughs> well, I'd like to see George Carlin do something about it now. Oh, that would be a good movie. <laughs> Where George Carlin's zombie comes, you take your, take your baseball cap off, and then yell at you about it. <laughs> Oh, if that was only the case, I would love to even spend time with George Carlin's zombie. Yeah. I would accept him yelling at me about my baseball cap if that's the only time I ever got to talk to him. Could you imagine a zombie movie where we have to pause and George Carlin's zombie is there uh, making observations about how crazy it is to be a zombie? (laughs) And haranguing the other zombies for the way Why are we walking around all the time for? (laughs) It's not like we have anywhere to go. Well, what? Oh, that's right. Reviews. So we take one of these movies <laughs> and we give it a good look. We take old movies, uh, at least ten years old, twelve years old, and we and we look at it with new eyes and see if it it deserves the praise or the revulsion that it's it's legendary for. And this week, we are going to be reviewing the classic science fiction film Logan's Run. Oh yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Classic. Logan's, Logan's Run was released in uh, 1976, one year before Star Wars changed everything for the most part. <laughs> it was directed by Michael Anderson, produced by Saul David, screenplay by David Zelak Goodman, which was based on Logan's Run, the book by William F. Nolan and George Clayton Johnson, and it stars Michael York, Jenny Auger. Oh, Jenny Auger. Oh, that's sorry. Um, Richard Jordan, Roscoe Lee Brown, Farrah Fawcett in her first credited screen role. Farrah Fawcett majors, my friend. Mm, oh, I'm no, she wasn't married yet. Yeah, I, I thought. I thought, she... I thought her on-screen credit was Farrah Fawcett majors. Was... Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about shit that people don't you, even know about. You give you give Lee Majors credit where credit is due. Who's Lee Majors? Yeah. Shut up, 20-year-old. Just listen to the review. Um, and Peter Ustinoff as Old Man. I wonder who he's playing. Hmm, thanks, you'll, you'll know him when you see him. Thanks for giving that away at the very beginning of the movie. Movie in the opening title screen where it says Peter Ustinoff as Old Man in this movie where the premise is, is that everyone dies before 30. Hmm. I wonder who he's playing. Maybe an old man. I wonder if that means the characters are going to meet an old man. I wonder if you've just given away a lot of the plot by letting <laughs> me know what this is, character's description is. I wonder if you couldn't have just given this guy a name. And <laughs> <laughs> Music, <laughs> so much by... <laughs> Music by Jerry Goldsmith. 
Cinematography by Ernest Laszlau, edited by Bob Wyman, and produced by MGM, and distributed by UA, by United Artists. So they, they both had a hand in this movie. Um, it was released in 1976, as I said, and uh, the budget was $9 million, and the box office was $25 million. So it made its money back. And it was relatively successful and spawned a very short-lived uh, TV series, I think. Logan's run the TV series. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Marvel Comics had a comic book on Logan's run. I don't know why they would do that I, after having seen this movie. I, <laughs> it, it didn't seem like it was rife with the possibilities of, oh, what else can we find out about the world of Logan's run? And why would you want to piss off your Wolverine fans, too? I mean. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Put Logan's run... <laughs> You're, again, we're doing... <laughs> I, you had the it's... only Logan that you know of you have to cram into this, into this review. It's such a good joke, I have to keep doing it! All right, okay. let's summarize the plot. Spoilers, everyone. Steve, go! Well, here we are in the 23rd century. Not, mm-hmm. not the Star Trek 23rd century. But, no, which is the cooler one. Which is the cooler one. The one that people would probably want to live in. Mm-hmm. No, this is the 23rd century where there has been some sort of catastrophe, a war or something. and I'm pretty sure the opening scrawl at the beginning says some sort of catastrophe of some yeah. sort. Something S- happened. Something happened. Things got messed up. I think it was, uh, did they say pollution and overpopulation? Yeah, actually, yeah. I have it on my screen here it says war overpopulation and pollution so damn oh. <laughs> pretty much all three check your shit human race or yeah. we're gonna wind up like the peoples in logan's run yeah so and in, in the aftermath of that human civilization has rebuilt itself and everybody lives or at least everybody that we see in this movie lives in this sealed off sort of biosphere this domed city where there's no access to the outside world. Now, and I'm sorry. Everyone lives in this HO scale model. Well, that's true. <laughs> of one of Walt Disney's wet dreams for Tomorrowland. They they live they live in a uh, uh, an exhibit at the New York World's Fair. <laughs> <laughs> the future. And when, as soon as I saw that city, I was like, "You can live in the future of tomorrow." Yes. Yeah. So they all live there. And yeah. when they when when they have to get from place to place, they ride adorable little model trains yes. through through tubes, uh, through little plastic trees, through, yeah. through tubes and skyways, and and a lot of really futuristic looking uh, Hilton hotels. Yeah, the, the the whole place looks like it, it reminds you of sort of like a progressive rock album cover. Uh, <laughs> that's the the aesthetic they have here, and the the deal is everybody. It, it, Everybody gets to live a, a pretty good life. It seems like it. Everyone's you know? wearing flimsy uh, costumes made out of one piece of fabric. And uh, uh, and we, they have a pretty hedonistic lifestyle. Seems like it. And I all, mean, the first person we meet, remember, we're doing the summary. Yeah. Well, the first person we meet is um, Logan 5? Logan 5. Logan 5, yes. Who is tapping on the window of a nursery... And uh, I and I'm not sure is he tapping on someone uh, a baby that's made out of some of his stuff. I think that's the implication because doesn't yeah. he, he calls the baby Logan six? Oh, okay, yeah. So Apparently, I think the implication it, is that it's his child. 
Yeah, and his friend, Francis Seven, comes up and uh, immediately shows us what a jerk he is by banging on the window and <laughs> making yeah. an alarm go off. Like, hey, I'll wake him up. <laughs> and this is where we're introduced to the uh, the life clock that everyone has. It's this little crystal in the center of their uh, palm that is a certain color. And uh, that's weird. <laughs> it tells you how much longer until you die. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it turns out that Logan and Francis are both Sandmen. But they don't tell us what Sandmen do right away. We, we're kind of gently introduced to this world. They, they don't just spew it all over us all at once. There's some exposition-y parts where they kind of casually mention things like carousel and and uh, renew and uh, what, what other terms do they want um, us to learn? Well, there's runners. Yeah, there's runners and and stuff like that. But uh, they have to go, they go to carousel first, right? Right after yeah. they see these babies born. Yeah. And all of these lovely people are gathering in this big uh, auditorium. I guess, yeah. It's like a like a coliseum. It's like yeah, a, like a coliseum it's kind like, of thing. It's like a coliseum in the middle of a mall. Yeah, a big coliseum <laughs> disco suicide is what it is. There you go. Because there's a big crystal up at the top, and then these people come out, and they're wearing robes, and they got death masks on, and everyone's really excited. They want everyone to renew, because apparently if you have a certain amount of uh, strength, or you qualify, or... Something along yeah. those lines. You purchased your indulgences. Yeah, or <laughs> whatever. It's uh, apparently in this society, when you reach 30, you have to go to Carousel and get dressed up in, in a spandex bodysuit from Cirque du Soleil that has flames <laughs> on it. And you go into the <laughs> middle of this arena and uh, you fly around in the air while everyone screams at you to renew. And then um, you blow up <laughs> and die. I think that's what it is, right? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. They, they must have at some point, you know, attended several weeks of choreography classes first so they know mm-hmm. what to do. I mean. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that's never explained ever is the logic behind why everyone has to die at 30. Um, it seems like it's just an arbitrary number. Everyone dies at 30. And then uh, when you die, you're replaced by a brand new baby that is born in a hatchery, I think. Yeah. Because they talk about seed mothers and stuff like that. So no one gets pregnant. Everyone just has test tube uh, babies in artificial wombs, I guess. Um, yeah, and, and because so- because uh, Logan's buddy, Francis, kind of made fun of him for even going to the nursery. Oh, that's right. In the beginning. And- it's like usually, I guess, going to visit the babies is considered very unusual. Yeah. So we're all here, and they're all and and Logan and Francis are screaming at the, everyone to renew, just like everyone else is screaming at everyone else to renew, because they believe that if you renew, then you get reborn um, as another person. It's like a reincarnation deal. Yeah, and uh, they everyone really believes it, especially Logan and the, and Francis, the boy. They they are really behind it. But uh oh, Logan gets a call on his on his smartphone <laughs> um, from the computer that runs all the stuff. Because, you know, computers, they, that's, they, they run everything in the future. And you know it's going to work out well, too. Uh-huh. But they get a, a notification that there's a runner. And they've got to go out and, and catch the runner. And uh, we're introduced to this 
scene in which they they're chasing down this guy and Francis and Logan really love their job. <laughs> Run, oh runner. boy, they're <laughs> yeah. gleefully chasing down this dude who does not want to go to Carousel. He does not want to die at Carousel for some reason. He doesn't believe that he, that renew renewal is a thing. So, uh that's what a runner is and that's what Sandman do. They they chase people down and they shoot at them with the most inaccurate weapons ever. <laughs> it's like a, a a sparkler gun or something. It's like a sparkler flare gun. Yeah. And they, you know, Logan can't hit anything. No. He shoots at the guy like nine million times. And, and finally, they get this guy up against the wall and they're just shooting at him. And it's hitting everything in the world <laughs> except for him. <laughs> The guy finally just takes a header off of a railing. <laughs> he finally just falls off the railing in this shopping mall that they're shooting all of this futuristic city in. And he just takes a header, lands on the ground, and uh, they line him up, and they take all of his personal items. And Logan finds this little uh, this little piece of jewelry thing that that's yeah. an onk, you know, the Egyptian symbol for life. And they line him up, and then they call in uh, these guys and floaty things <laughs> and they spray him with some goop that makes him turn into goop and then disappears and now we the... know what happens to the dead people in video games oh yeah hey. it, that must be what it is and and you know what i you know this is supposed to be an idyllic society right where no one has needs to work i guess but there are people who have to work the floaty guys have a job yeah the it's Sandman. not exactly yeah the sandmen have have responsibilities and there are other people with jobs later on that we see that also have jobs so do they get the short end of the stick everyone else gets to just you know wander around in skimpy clothing and fuck and do drugs and these guys have jobs to do that doesn't seem fair that is not a sustainable model for a society no maybe it'll fall apart even. i i i wouldn't be surprised so we by this point we get the general gist of this world that they've created. It's controlled by a computer and uh the premise is is that everyone can live as hedonistically as they like up until the age of 30 and then at 30 they go to carousel where they die with the promise that if they're worthy they'll be renewed in a new life. But Logan has shown a little doubt. He asked Francis if he knew anyone that had actually been renewed if he'd ever seen it. Remember when Francis is in the spa. Yeah. And Francis is like, I don't know, I guess. I don't know. Come in and get in the hot tub. Francis really wants him to get in the hot tub. Yeah, there's some there's some stuff between Francis and Logan. Mostly from Francis's end. Yeah, but... Francis... Unless you didn't know, Francis is crazy. You know that from <laughs> the very beginning. He's He is a zealot of the nth degree. Yeah. And um, Logan, I mean, here's the thing. Logan, at the beginning of this movie, is having a rip-snorting time tormenting <laughs> this runner. This is the scene where, where, where you, we hear him go, run, runner! And they just start shooting yeah. at him, and they love the, they love chasing this guy down and then finally, finally killing him. And um, they make the point to let us know that from Logan's mindset, he doesn't view it as murdering people. Right. He he describes it as as terminating people, so that he this guy Logan is totally into the cult for the most part. He has some some doubts. He shows he some... signs at certain points of being mm -hmm. a little bit more of a free thinker, but he never really 
you know, he's mostly yeah. just a company guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, when they, when they're hunting this guy down, they are sadistic. Yeah. They have these horrible <laughs> rictus grins of happiness <laughs> as they murder this dude. Um, but after they do it, they have to report back to the big computer and they have to go into the big computer room with all the bleepy bloops and the lights <laughs> and the, and the computer has this nice gentle voice and they, they, take the personal effects and they stick it on a thing and they get vaporized and and uh am i jumping ahead oh actually I am we, jumping we, we have the, the there's the first jenny agater scene before yeah the oh how can i forget that shame for shame so logan's in his off time <laughs> you take this scene he's, dude. I've been talking he's in that. his off time wearing his graduation gown <laughs> um this this is where we we find one of the most intriguing pieces of technology in this new future world. It, they call mm-hmm. it the circuit, mm-hmm. and what it basically is is a combination of the Star Trek transporter and Tinder, where <laughs> where you just swipe <laughs> you swipe left and it's like no, I don't want to fuck that person. Yeah, swipe. people no, basically I don't fuck that person. people basically step into the network, I guess, and mm-hmm. they get beamed to people's houses. And if you feel like fucking each other, it's like, well, there you go. Yeah. So, Time for the fucking. Yeah. So Logan uh, beams in this beautiful girl named Jessica Six. Hokey smokey. Played by the aforementioned Jenny Agater. And say it again. Say it again slower. Jenny I'm sorry. Agater. I'm not going to make any excuses. I have a huge crush on Jenny Agater between this and American Werewolf in London. Yeah. I'm sorry. She She's a very lovely girl. Mm-hmm. And the kind you don't bring home to mother. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I went right in. I'm sorry. She's yeah. very nice. Yes. And, and smart and wearing um, less clothing than... <laughs> She would make women uh, the the guest alien women on Star Trek blush. Yes, with how much exposed skin she has on. And of note, other than how little she has on, she also has mm-hmm. on a necklace that has an ankh, just like mm-hmm. the one that they took off of the runner that they that they sadistically hunted down and murdered earlier that yeah. day. And even though she is in like the sex circuit, when yeah. she meets Logan, she kind of changes her mind and she says, "You know what? I'm not really that into it." And he kind of yeah. pursues her a little bit. I thought I was, but, you know, yeah. I, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. A friend of mine died, and and I thought this would be good, but no, you're a Sandman. Yeah. Chances uh, are you murdered my friend, so I mm-hmm. better not just... Um, and it, you can see that this sort of, like, this display of, of I guess, free will or, or discernment on behalf of Jessica Six is sort of unusual. It kind of surprises Logan because he, yeah. he seems to literally not know what she's talking about when he says, hey, let's go have sex. And she's like, no. Nah. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, Yeah, but on the other hand of it, he's not angry no. at any point. He's not like, no, you put yourself in the circuit. We're going into the bedroom right now. No, he's he, seem, like, he seems more curious. He doesn't try to force a, himself on yeah. it. Yeah, he doesn't know. And and the other thing is is that apparently sex in this society is just so free and so open that, you know, sex is going to come uh around the corner no matter what. Lo and behold, it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Francis shows up and he's got his party ball of drugs and two other women. <laughs> Francis is definitely the Larry. <laughs> of uh, I mean, like Logan is more Jack. Francis is totally the Larry. And uh, during the distraction when Francis shows up, she she ba- beats a hasty retreat. Yeah. She leaves. 
Oh, well, that's fine, because he then tosses this ball up to the ceiling that makes a descending cloud of pink smoke, <laughs> which I assume are drugs. Yeah, it's his roofie ball. It's his, <laughs> you don't even need, that's bomb. the whole point, you don't need roofies in this society. That's true. I don't know what the drug does, but it fills the entire room with pink smoke, and I guess they have sex. And then we cut to the next day. Right. Yeah, and this is where he sort of this is where yeah gives the the onk to the computer. Yeah, and the computer um, takes a long time trying to figure out what the onk is, and it's like, hey, Logan, come here, come <laughs> over here. I know you were just checking in, and you expect this to be normal, but I need you to come here and sit down and identify yourself. And he's like, okay. And he sits down and he puts his little identity thing in. And the computer proceeds to destroy everything that he believes in. <laughs> <laughs> But by letting him know that there are a lot of runners that have escaped. Yeah. And apparently he did not realize that a lot of runners had escaped. And then Logan asked the question that he probably didn't want the answer to. And he's like, well, certainly people have renewed. And the computer tells him nothing. <laughs> this is like... The computer like, doesn't even bother to give him a bullshit response. Yeah, it doesn't even bother to, like, make come up with, you know, uh, um, computer apologetics for the <laughs> world that they set up so that they don't go crazy. Um, and the, so the computer is like, a lot of runners have escaped, Logan, and we need you to find this place called Sanctuary, where they're all running off to. And we need you to find it, and we need you to destroy it. And he's like, um, okay, uh, sure. Now put your crystal on this thing. Oh, okay. And now I'm going to take away four years of your life, so now you're a runner too. Now you're, the crystal in your hand is blinking, which means that it, he should renew. He's got to go to Carousel. <laughs> um, and so he's like, he could, wait a minute. I'm going to get my four years back, right? And computer's like... <laughs> <laughs> What? Oh, you're still here, Logan? I thought I gave you a job to do. And he's like, but I'm going to get my four years back, right? And, he, and now he's having a freak out because he still had four years left. And now he's got this job that he needs to do. And he's got to find out the meaning of the onk and go find sanctuary. And, and for some home. reason, the computer tells him specifically not to ask for anyone's help. Mm-hmm. He, he's the, he says he even says, like, hey, can I maybe get some more Sandman to help me with this? No. Sorry. Nope. You're on your own. So, uh, Dick Computer sends him out on his little mission, and uh, the first thing he does is he needs to call up Jenny Agater because she had the same onk thing, and she knew the uh, runner that they killed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he invites her back to her house, and he's like, he has this great line in this scene, or he shows her the blinking thing. And she says, you know, you have, you know, you either renew, you know, you have carousel or you can run. Those are your options. And he's like, no, I didn't care before because now it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he does that to multiple people. I know. It's question like, his his motives. He's like, whoa, yeah. dude, look. Well, I've got a blinky light. And now I care because this is personal. <laughs> I didn't realize my beliefs applied to me. Yeah, I had to wait until a computer told me that everything I believe doesn't exist and that he took four years of my life away, so now I'm motivated. <laughs> so he goes to Jenny Agatha and he says, please contact your people so that I can get out of here. And at this point, I'm kind of curious, is he still working for the computer? Is he doing this so that he can get his four years back and everything will be normal? Or is he genuinely wanting to escape? And they kind of leave that up in the air. Yeah, for as a to long what time. His, 
for a long time. Um, she goes to her people, and they're all like, Viva la resistance. And she's like, I have a guy, and he wants to get out of here because he's blinking and he's a runner. And they're like, he's a Sandman. Fuck him. <laughs> We're going to squirt gas in his face out of our no, that's sticks. later we're going to i think garrot him with our gold necklaces oh, that's i right, think yeah. is is what the thing is and yeah. they're like okay tell you what lead him lead him to this place and we're gonna murder the fuck out of him yeah these How are the dare two guys he? yeah we he can't be trusted and she's like okay <laughs> so, <laughs> she's like he's chasing a, a runner i think yeah they point. find well they go to that uh Cathedral. The cathedral section, which is where they put like the juvenile delinquents. Now, okay, and did I miss something? Why? Are, why? Okay, there's a place apparently in this utopic place where people can do anything they want, where they stow juveniles for some reason. Yeah, they call because them cubs, and they call I, them cubs. I think the implication it's never totally explained, but the implic- like if if they're sort of unruly, if they're if the, it's where all the punks go. If you're just a young punk, you get to go to okay. cathedral until okay. you turn sixteen, and then who knows what the hell happens to you? I yeah, they don't really come up with that because they clearly indicate that once you become sixteen, the other cubs kill you yeah, or I guess. drive you out or whatever. Um, but cathedral is this rundown um, uh, building that they keep locked all the time. And uh, one of the runners has managed to get inside of it somehow. Um, and Logan's chasing after this this runner who uh, is, as near as I can tell, Courtney Cox traveled back in time. <laughs> yes. To, <laughs> to be in Logan's run somehow. Because this woman looks exactly like Courtney Cox <laughs> now. And, and Jessica Six is with him. And Jessica Six sees him tell the runner, hey, I'm not going to... I'm not going to uh, kill you. I- I'm just like you are. Um, do you know how to find sanctuary? And sh- this this woman doesn't have any idea of what's going on. No. But Logan then gives her a gas pellet and says, Hey, if you get, uh, you get uh, in a corner, just throw this on the ground and don't breathe and it'll knock out everybody. It's gas pellet. And, Je- and Jessica Six goes, I'm in love with him now. She doesn't <laughs> say that out loud. And we're also, uh, by the way, we're also jumping over the part where the teens surround Logan. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're like, hey, we're going to kill you and chop you up. And then Logan shoots his gun around and they all run away. Yeah. A completely pointless scene that doesn't add anything to anything. It's just like a Lost Boys type yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's like a Lost Boys kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so Jessica and him leave Cathedral... Uh, but Francis saw the whole thing, and he's freaking out now because his best friend is a seems to be a runner, and he let that woman go. How could he do that? And then he just murders the woman that he let go free in cold blood. <laughs> you can't leave loose ends behind, man. No, no, you can't. It's his job. He's Francis, is ca- he cares about his work. He has pride in yeah. his job. So then... Um, they go. They go to the plastic surgeon's place, right? Because the uh, one of the things that they found on the other dude uh, in his cell phone was that he went to this plastic surgery. Apparently, you can just get plastic surgery and look like anybody you want to anywhere, anytime. Yeah, we're really cross pollinating pollinating some Twilight Zone plots here. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to mention that later yeah. when it comes to the writers of this. Oh yeah, right. Exactly. Um, 
So he goes to this place where he does surgery on on people who are blinking. You're not supposed to do uh, cosmetic surgery, I guess, on people who are about to renew. Because uh, I guess it could help him escape. And apparently this dude has been doing plastic surgery uh, when he's not supposed to. And they're greeted in the reception room. And this was a major selling point. I even remember the commercials for this, where this was like a major selling point for this movie, is that Farrah Fawcett was in this movie. Yeah, as the receptionist. Yeah, because she was super hot in the 70s. And she was totally in this movie. And uh, she was totally in this movie for, I think, a total of three minutes. (laughs) Yep. She's the receptionist, and she's like, oh, well, we've... I'll introduce you to the doctor. And the doctor says, oh, hey, how you doing? Um, sit on down. Do you want your body done or your face? And he's like, I want my face done. And they're like, oh, here's this giant, dangerous laser robot that's going to totally do your face somehow. Because that's how plastic surgery works is with lasers. <laughs> I, I Can you explain to me how shooting lasers into someone's face gives them new features? It's a little, yeah, and not just, I mean, lasers that are apparently powerful enough to, like, cut you up real bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, not just, you know, a little cosmetic burn here and there. Like, mm-hmm. it'll cut your head off if you lay underneath But it, it also then heals you instantly so you yeah. don't feel any pain. So there's no need for uh, anesthetic. And uh, the doctor gets a phone call. From somebody, uh, probably the underground, who's like, hey, that's Ant-Man. We don't want him to kill him. Kill him with your your laser robot. (laughs) And he's like, okay. And then there's a big fight. And uh, Logan throws Dr. Payne, whatever his name was. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Into the the laser bot. And the laser bot cuts slices and dices him. And then Francis shows up and he's like, what's going on? What did, I saw you let that runner go. I'm having a freak out. And by the way, I'm a sadist. So this is not a good combination for me. <laughs> and Logan's Logan, like, okay, bye. Yeah, <laughs> he hits him. <laughs> and, they, and they take off. And now they're running through another mall. Because I, I don't think we really mentioned a lot of... The interiors of this city were filmed in, like, shopping malls and uh, main atriums of businesses and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it has that kind of look, you know, modernist kind of look, that kind of spare kind of look to it. Um, so they run through and they, they have to, they, uh, Jessica Six knows a way out to, to get to uh, Sanctuary, I guess. And that's through the love shop? Yeah. Like Studio Fifty Four. I mean, well, <laughs> apparently it was actually filmed in a real life club. Um, but uh, in the love shop, um, someone is having a freak out on a MIDI <laughs> playing music. <laughs> yes, he's like, "I'm gonna make cat sounds through this entire sequence." Meow, meow, and there's yep. the sound, and I guess there's drugs in the air that makes you want to yeah. have with the sex. And basically, the love shop is just one big free-for-all orgy where there's naked people all over the place grabbing at Logan and Jessica Six, and they're like, come have the sex with us. Yeah. And uh, they're like, no! Uh, apparently, stepping through the doorway constitutes consenting to anything that will happen to you. Oh, it, well, yeah, because the, the, the stepping through the doorway, there's this gas that drips down that makes everything go into slow motion. Yeah. 
And um, but there's the red lights and lots of nudity and people grabbing. And this was a PG PG film. Man, I I miss the old rating system. People in the seventies just didn't care, man. Yeah, it's like so much nudity. Just don't show any bush, but lots of boobs. <laughs> now I don't even know what this would be rated. Would it be rated PG thirteen? Uh, I think maybe. because of nudity, it would probably wind up being an R. There is a lot of nudity. Point. It might. Yeah. There is a lot of nudity, and then the gross guy when he gets sprayed with the stuff and he melts. Yeah. Yeah, probably an R because we're a bunch of pussies. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't like using that term. We're just a we're a bunch of moral upright citizens now, and In- we do not like that. If you want to see boobs, you have to have an R rating now. In my day, you could watch boobs and people being 1976, melted. you could stare at Jenny Agutter's boobs for a full five minutes so long as you didn't see any pubis. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> we liked it. Bring back PG. <laughs> I don't need a pubis to get off. You little pricks don't know what PG is. Actually, considering the rating system, I'm surprised that other movies at that time period didn't have more nudity in it. Like, I mean, Jaws, Jaws was R, so I can't really say that. But Jaws was R for violence. I yeah, think. not for. But the there, I mean, there's an upshot. Yeah. We go right up that right up that woman right up to her crotch in the opening of the film. <laughs> um, but I mean, like Star Wars, how come there was no nude scene in Star Wars? Yeah, why if not? PG was that lax. Roll the dice, man. Yeah, this come on. Screwing. It's, you know, Carrie Fisher was coked up and up for just about everything. It doesn't matter that she was only 17. <laughs> George Lucas didn't give a shit. Rip that top off and stick her in detention block AA-17. <laughs> it's justified by the story. The Empire That's treats its <laughs> prisoners terribly. Well, I, and in the story, all women are topless yeah. because, uh... See, they, because I'm lonely. They don't, uh... <laughs> They don't wear underwear, and uh, she didn't. She's not wearing a bra no, in that movie. There's no underwear in space, so uh, <laughs> we we got her to do that. <sighs> oh, anyway, uh, Logan's run. So <laughs> they go into the the orgy room, and Francis chases after them, and they manage to uh, get unstuck from the writhing mass of bodies, <laughs> and the the guy playing the cat midi, and they get to the. Uh, they get to this corner where there aren't any nude people, and uh, there's a secret door, and they go through the secret door. And uh, Francis is, of course, delayed by the uh, the sex blob that uh, <laughs> was slowing them down, and he doesn't know where they've they've uh, run off to. And now they're in the bowels, the like the backstage of. Uh, <laughs> Of their city. The water treatment plant. The water. (laughs) There's nothing but water treatment for this place. I don't know where they grow their food. I don't know where they get all of their supplies. I don't know who manufactures anything. But, um, and they uh, come across a group of people who have long sticks with uh, glowy ends that shoot steam at you. Because that's rational technology. Pain, painful steam. Painful steam spears, I guess. I guess. Guys, why don't we just jab them with the stick? No, we need steam in there. And now we hear through painful ADR that uh, they don't trust her or the Logan. Because yeah. he's, he's a sandman. He's man. a sandman, man. And they're like, hey, we don't, who's this guy? Oh, we don't trust him. Let's kill him. All right, yeah. And then who should show up but uh, Holly? Who is Farrah Fawcett? Yeah. Who was the receptionist at the at the uh, um, 
the plastic surgeon. And she gives what is possibly the worst performance I have ever seen ever by anyone in anything. And not just because she's not good as an actress at this point. It's also because the dialogue that they gave her is so stupid, I can't even believe that it wound up in a movie. She shows up, and they literally, it's like they have to feed her her lines. I'm not sure if this was the original thing. She shows up, and she's like, oh, yeah, I recognize those two. They killed the doctor. And they're like, no, we didn't kill the doctor. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah, you didn't kill the doctor. (laughs) That other guy. (laughs) Couldn't we have given her lines? Do we have to make them up? She said she could improv, but she's not improving anything. She just... Doesn't know what she's talking about. Quick, somebody go write something. He's a runner, remember, Holly? Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 oh, right. yeah! He's a runner! It seems like I she's remember being prompted now. by the characters in the scene. <laughs> she's being prompted by everyone! Probably the stage grip is telling her what her lines are at this point. <laughs> so, thanks to Holly's completely convincing, weird amnesia dialogue... <laughs> And I have to remember, you have to remember, she is having difficulty recalling what happened literally ten minutes prior to this exchange. They go directly from the plastic surgery through the sex bin down to where these people are. Ten minutes have elapsed. Ten real minutes. There's no time in between. It's not like three weeks later. She's having difficulty remembering something that happened ten minutes ago. This is... One of the problems that I have with the film. (laughs) So then, Logan does something weird. He thinks he's in Sanctuary, so he presses his little cell phone thingy and notifies the other Sandman. Right. Did you notice that? Who think, who at this point are under the impression that he is a runner. Mm -hmm. Because he hasn't checked in and Francis, well, Francis hasn't told anybody about, you know, Logan being a runner. But still, you know... it's. I guess we're. It's. He's still supposed to be conflicted at this point. Yeah. Like he's. He's obviously kind of put out that you know he had four years of his life taken away. The, yeah, the computer yeah. was very non-committal about whether or not he would get them back. Exactly. But so then, the, like it's like at this very last moment he's like, okay, I'm going to press this thing and let everyone know here's sanctuary. I'm going to get my four years back. But up until that point, he's been willing to shoot and kill and well I don't know if he's killed anybody yet I think no. he just punched Francis so he hasn't really done any of that but now he's down here and he and he lets them know and they're like okay go down to the end of the follows pipes and you're going to come to a door and then after that there's no turning back and he's like thank you let's go but before we can leave what happens all his rowdy Boom. friends are coming over tonight all of his rowdy friends come up and they've got a bucket lo- load of murder everybody in their pockets <laughs> I think what what's supposed to have happened is like you said he he thought that this was sanctuary and then it turns out this isn't sanctuary yeah because they like, said this, oh, isn't, this sanctuary. isn't sanctuary yeah oh darn it I just told all my friends to come here and murder all of you I think <laughs> and he tries to go on by himself but Jessica, yeah. oh yeah, because he said no. Jessica him. needs Jessica needs to go back because uh, my friends are coming. They're gonna they're gonna kill everyone here. Jessica, I like you. You need to go. Um, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go by myself. Can you someone please take her? And she's like, nope. I'm with you because I love you. Subtext. <laughs> I think maybe that's the moment. It doesn't really read as well as maybe it should, but I feel like that's the moment when he turns from it being his mission. And he becomes mm-hmm. a runner for real. 
but I'm not. But who, who knows? I think that's about. I, they didn't hit it hard enough. No, you if don't want to hit it too hard. But yeah. if they had established, he's like, okay, the Sandmen are going to come and they're just going to take care of everything, and then he's surprised when they show up and just start shooting everybody in sight. <laughs> that then maybe he would be surprised. But it doesn't play play that way, no. and so you're kind of like, what are what? Why is he doing this? Why did he just notify the Sandman? I thought he was running, and I guess he wants to get his mission. He wants to get his four years back. He wants things to go back to normal. But he, the, none of these characters have dialogue that indicate these kinds of emotional changes at that point. No, um, and the movie doesn't indicate them in other ways either. The movie just no, seems no, to just it move right along. Right. I mean. Uh, I don't want to say that Michael York is a blank slate as 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 Logan. He has emotional states throughout the film, but they just seem to be written into the script um, yeah. as needed for what they think the per- how the person is going to react. But they, there's no close up shots of like say he, his reaction to everyone getting murdered. He just basically grabs Jessica Six and says, "Let's get out of here. They're killing everyone." And there's a brief scene um, during this slaughter where Francis runs up to Logan and he's like, you can come back or something. Yeah, that's when Francis says, I didn't tell anybody about you letting that runner go. Right. And Logan's like, get out of here. And he's like, no, get out of here. I'm going to shoot at you. And then they, he shoots at him, and now they're getting chased by Francis. Because Francis wants to kill Jen, Jen, Jessica Six because he, he feels that she's the Yoko. Yes. That, is, that has broken them up. She's breaking up their partnership. So they, they get to this door, this wood door built by somebody. I don't know. <laughs> it's got a nice little old man voice inside of it that's like, hello, runner. Uh, please hold the key up to the thing, and I'm going to let you out. And once you're out, there's no turning back. Bye-bye. <laughs> and uh, Jessica takes off her necklace, and she's going to put it in there. But, though she drops it into a conveniently placed water hole that's right <laughs> next to the thing. Darn plot contrivance. Right, and she can't find it. And he's like, no, don't worry. I have my own key that I took from that dead friend of yours that I murdered. And she's <laughs> well, like, never okay. Mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, that thing that you've forgotten and forgive me for because I'm a runner now. And now that I'm a runner, that makes everything that I've done okay. <laughs> so they open the door. The wood paneling slides back. They get inside and um, the door closes just as Francis is running up. And, uh, oh no, Francis does what they couldn't do, and that's look down and see the key in the water. <laughs> and now he uses the key to get in, and now we have this cat and mouse thing. Where they're in this industrial water processing. Yeah, apparently the city uses the tides of the ocean to power everything. But nobody they, quite knows how. Which yeah, is no weird. one knows like, how they. Yeah, no one knows people how. People seem to be it. aware that that is how it's done. That that's what happens, but nobody has any idea how. Yeah, this society needed robots. This they needed to have lots of robots doing everything for them. Yeah, which would explain how these people wouldn't know, you know, what they're doing. But the problem with that is, is then you'd be like, well, how come the robots aren't the Sandmen? <laughs> then how do we have <laughs> right. a, a movie about a Sandman robot that that's just running? <laughs> But, um, so now we have this cat and mouse, Francis is chasing him around, and then they shoot a thing, and then the water comes gushing in, and they climb on another thing, and they get on an elevator, and then it takes them up to, oh, God. Steve, you have to try, 
you have to try to explain this because I, you know well, what, I, I know what the explanation is, but it, it, first time viewers will be like, where are we? Yeah. When, when did we get here? They, they take the elevator up to the fortress of solitude. <laughs> it's like, it's all of a sudden they're in this big, like frozen ice cave. Yeah. Like a character we- from the, the Rankin Bass Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer would live in. It's where it's where Cold Miser lives. Yes, it's Cold Miser's place, and and at first it looks like they're they're alone, and they find yeah, and they're like, like statues of walruses and penguins. Yeah, and and, and, and they and they find seagulls. They find animal skins. That why? Because they needed an excuse for Jenny to take her yeah, clothes off. Take her clothes off. Yeah, that's uh, true. So that's what they do. They. I'm not going to argue with that point. Uh, L- Logan very helpfully suggests, "Hey, our clothes are wet. They're going to freeze. Maybe freeze. we should take them off before we put and the, put on these furs that are here for no on. reason." <laughs> so that's what they do, and they end up wearing the furs. What for? Like five minutes before they just put their clothes back on anyway. Yeah, they put their clothes back on anyway. <laughs> but but uh, uh, while they're in, wrapped in furs. They get greeted by what is perhaps the least successful attempt at a robot ever put on screen. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Yes. His his name is Box. Wow. That took five, a whole five seconds to come he, up with, didn't it? He, he rolls, which is a very uh, inefficient design for a robot living in a cave with an uneven <laughs> floor. But he rolls and he has arms like regular articulated human arms. Yes. But for some reason he has wheels. <laughs> no, he has he has the kind of arms that when a child builds a robot yes. out of a cardboard box, that springy material yes. that they always use, it, that's what he has arms. Yes. For. It's like he looks like and we're we're looking at this movie in 1976. He looks like a robot from TV in like 1952. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> TV robots were even better. TV. We had freaking Robbie <laughs> the true. robot. We had robot from Lost in Space who was That's light true. years beyond Box. Both of those Box robots looks were like a, far better. Look, yeah, looks like a dude wrapped in tin foil. His head looks like it's just been wrapped in aluminum foil and a slit cut open for eyes and a mouth. Yeah. Because you, you can see the can actor's see mouth. mouth inside of it. You can see his mouth moving, yes. Why would they cut to close-ups of this? For There, there are scenes <laughs> of, in, this, in this sequence where they cut to close-ups of this robot that expose how horrible this costume is. Here's like, the thing. Why didn't the director, when they said, okay, let's see, let's see Box. This is, this is going to be an epic part of this movie. And when they wheeled him out, the director just didn't drop his clipboard and walk out of, off the set and into traffic after seeing this robot. Instead, <laughs> he said, yeah, let's put that on screen. Hey, you know no, what? That works. <laughs> We're just going to cut this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> They're just going right outside. We're just forget so, it. So then, okay, we start encountering just how naive uh, Logan is because he doesn't seem to appreciate that it's a machine. Yeah, and he starts demanding answers from Box as if Box has all the answers that he's looking for. And it's pretty it's like, clear where all the people? That Box don't know shit. Yeah, Box knows one thing, and that is I get some. I get. Uh, supplies of fish and plankton and sea greens, and I freeze them. That that that's what I do. That's my job. And Logan's like, "Where's sanctuary? Where are all the people gone? Is this sanctuary? Who are you? What's going on?" And Box is like, "Whoa, dude, slow your row. Let me repeat. <laughs> I get food and I freeze it, 
and oh by the way that the 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 fish and the 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 plankton and the sea greens they stopped coming and that's when you people started showing up guess what i've been doing <laughs> exactly but logan can't figure this out even when they're walking down a corridor even, that is filled with frozen people. Even when Box has, has changed out one of his hands for an obvious weapon, <laughs> and he's like, come this way. Okay. <laughs> I wonder what he's going to show us. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, as it turns out, that all of the runners, everyone that's escaped, has fallen into the hands of Box. And what Box has done is he's frozen them all for... Uh, because he's, I guess he's stuck in this weird program. Yeah, I guess I guess the idea is that the city stopped using Box's services, but nobody bothered to turn him off. To tell him? <laughs> turn him off? <laughs> and so now Box has frozen all of the runners naked somehow. I, I don't know how they wound up naked. I guess every time they made it through there, they had to take their clothes off. <laughs> That's the, the little racket that Box had going. <laughs> well, look, here's the deal. They took their clothes off because their clothes were wet. Right. Not everyone that made it to box, their clothes were wet. Yeah. They probably just wound up and they're like, oh, what's this place? Mm, I don't know. And then box shows up and goes, hello. I have to imagine that the previous people that were there that have all been frozen naked, box is there with a gun going, take them off. <laughs> <laughs> Those clothes won't do at all. Which, which is a scene that I would kill oh. for because it so changes this movie if you just have Box going, take your clothes off. Lose the clothes. <laughs> Do it slower. <laughs> yes. <sighs> Box. So um, then Box turns into a giggling maniac <laughs> uh, robot and he's like, you're ready and I'm ready. And he has a great line. I have to admit, he has a great line and he has a great voice when he says, It's my job! Yes. <laughs> it's very important in a society like this that you, you care about your work. And Box yes. clearly does. Yeah. And so now he starts laughing for no reason. He's like, ah, ha, ha, I'm going to freeze you! And he's such a badly designed robot <laughs> that he can be easily knocked over. <laughs> And after Logan pumps him full of flash fireworks, <laughs> he gets knocked over. The The whole lair starts to fall apart in what is the worst um, mad effect. Oh, yeah. Where they're, just, the a- where they're not even bothering to green screen anything. Things are just falling in front of them. Um, and the things that are falling in front of them are transparent. Yeah, it's, it's just, they just, it looks like they just did a double exposure. Yeah, they yeah. did it. That's exactly right. And uh, they managed to escape out a tunnel. And uh, they stumble outside, outside, outside the dome. And they see the rising sun. And I said out loud, okay, Logan, pick up some rocks and start throwing it at the sun because you've never seen it before. <laughs> What's that? What the fuck is that? But yeah, but that's when Jenny says, what is that? Yeah. And he's like, I don't know, but it's warm. Maybe it'll eat us. <laughs> it's This is where uh, you you start to see where the the writers of the film never quite explored the implications of the premise because they know what outside is. They, they're, yeah. they're familiar with the concept of outside. They know they live in a dome. Yeah, but they know nothing about what is outside. They don't even know what the yeah. sun is when they see it. No, they don't. 
So uh, now they're outside and it's hot and there are bugs and a lizard tries to go up her skirt and Jessica has a freak out and she says, I hate outside. I want to go back. And Never Logan's take a like, woman no. camping. <laughs> and Logan's like, no, we just got to find water. And uh, they sleep out and there, there's love feelings there between her and him. Yeah. And uh, then they find a lake and they swim in it and they're all giggly and, and happy. And uh, then they have sex. Finally. We don't see it, though. Which is a rip-off. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess that's the limits of this old-school PG. I guess. Can't see that. And then they stumble across a city and a la Planet of the Apes. Yeah. It's Washington, D.C. and it's all overgrown and... Ivy's taken over and we see this great shot of them walking up through this marsh up to their waist in water uh, approaching the Washington Monument and I was like if you just move like maybe 10 yards to your right you don't have to walk through the reflecting pool <laughs> but that's anymore. not a cool shot <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> and they stumble across things that they have no idea what they are like tombstones they have no idea what tombstones they can read English but they have no idea what the words mean. Yeah. They, they can read things like husband and wife, and they recognize numbers, but husband and wife are words that don't have meaning. I guess. Yeah. They know the, and, they know the grammar. They know the rules of pronunciation, mm-hmm. but they just don't know what the words mean. And they stumble across the Lincoln Monument, and they see Lincoln there, and they're like, oh, that must be what an old person looks like. And they didn't immediately fall to their knees and start worshipping the giant yeah. stone god. I was waiting, because they are shown to be so naive, I was waiting for them to think, like, oh, the people in this world must have been huge. I was waiting for Logan to start shouting at the statue to tell them where Sanctuary was. <laughs> tell us where Sanctuary is, giant! And he starts shooting at it. <laughs> So then they wander around and they go into uh, the Senate. The uh, yeah, yeah, Senate, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's where they encounter the last person outside of their cities to be alive, which turns out to be a crazy cat person. <laughs> so that's that much is probably accurate. <laughs> it's Peter Ustinov. He's all alone. He's very old. He's got lots of cats. Um, he's he is. Um, Boy, he's going all the way to make this an idiosyncratic character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got a funny voice, and he's, you know, he's kind of simple. I yeah, would, I would, he's a I little kind of scatterbrained. Yeah, he doesn't remember his name. Yeah. He's been al- It's obvious he's been alone for a long time. And he's constantly quoting T.S. Eliot. And if he didn't stop soon, I was going to go insane. <laughs> Why couldn't he have had another book? <laughs> Any other the book? T.S. Eliot cat book. <laughs> anyway, so they go. Oh well, he's an old man, and this is what happens when you get old. And oh, uh, apparently, uh, people would live together. His mother and father were husband and wife, and well, that's weird. And um, <laughs> okay, well, there's books and stuff. That's nice. But uh, then Francis shows up, and they fight. Yeah, and Francis is felled by an American flag. Well, yeah, by an American flag. He's hit three times and he dies. <laughs> <laughs> and now Logan's like, we got to go back. 
and tell everybody the truth. And Jessica's and like, what? No. And he's like, no, you don't, don't you understand? Now that I know the truth, I need to fuck up everybody's shit because I'm not living in this shit by myself. You don't understand. <laughs> now that I know the truth, everyone has to know the truth, and everybody's got to know. They're killing people in Carousel every day, Jessica. Jeez, don't you think that's wrong? Well, they seem happy with it. No! <laughs> We're going back! I know truth now, and I've got to go and let those people know. And she's like, okay, fine. Uh, God damn it. Just fucking go. Hey, old man, who, that's his name. <laughs> hey, old man, you want to come with us? You can see more people. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> You're coming with us. <laughs> now, I would like to reiterate that from the moment that um, he invites Jessica into his apartment to try to get her... Uh, no, when she shows up and says, okay, my people will help you, to this point, a day has passed. One day! They... <laughs> They go to the they go to cathedral. Then they go to the plastic surgeon. They go through the sex building. They meet the sanctuary people. They escape through the door. They meet Box. They nearly get frozen. They wander through the, the through the uh, the wasteland outside. They they sleep. That's nice. Then they meet the old man. Francis shows up, tries to kill them, and then they decide to go back. That's one day. That's a twenty four hour period. They're handling it pretty well. They're handling it pretty well, I would yeah. say. Uh, thankfully, we get another day where they're traveling back to the city. And they have another night, and that's when they get a kind of bullshit marriage where they identify as being husband and wife. Gah, barf. <laughs> <laughs> and they get to the water processing thing, and they tell the old man, you gotta wait here, because there's no way you're gonna be able to swim through all this and get back into the city. We're pretty, I'm actually pretty sure that we're gonna dive in there and drown, <laughs> but... Uh, Tell you what, we'll bring all the people back to you. And he's like, "Oh, goody gumdrops! <laughs> I'll just, I'll just hang out here. I'll just hang out here. I'll just be here. Bye." So we have another excuse for Jenny Agutter to get all wet, and <laughs> they make it back into the city, and uh, they run up to the big uh, gathering hall where everyone's gathering for carousel. And Logan has what I can say is a real freakout. <laughs> Yeah. He starts screaming at him. You don't have to die! <laughs> Everything's a lie! Listen to me, I'm a crazy person! <laughs> he holds up his hand with the uh, the cleared life clock yeah, crystal. Yeah, with the it. clear See, life look, clock the life crystal. clocks are a lie! Yes! No, no wait! Don't go yeah. in! Why are you ignoring Every me? Every single person who sees him just goes... Ah. They just go, meh. So then Jenny doubles down on crazy, and she runs up, and she's like, no, he's telling the truth. Everything's... Why? What's wrong with you, people? Stop going in there. And then the Sandman approach and grab him. And her. And they drag him back to indifferent computer <laughs> that runs everything. And the guards are there, and he's in this, like, um, I guess interrogation booth thingy. Yeah. And uh, that's when the, the computer is going to probe his mind to get all the answers that it wants. And this is the first time that we ever saw laser holograms. And after this movie, boy, the, all the movies were just lousy with laser holograms, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, boy. Nope, they weren't because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> and each one of these little tube things, I guess, are a voice from his inner mind. And uh, the computer's like, where is sanctuary? And the inner voices are like, there is no sanctuary. And there's an old man and everyone's frozen. And um, the computer can't handle that. 
very well. And um, breaks. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's all pretty I can much say. it. And it, the way it breaks is it um, explodes everything. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently when this computer breaks, it I guess it goes into explode things mode. I don't know how this works. Can you explain to me, Steve, how when the computer breaks down, buildings and stuff just start exploding? I think this computer must have been designed by someone who was having a really bad day when he built that part of it. (laughs) And he was just, like, feeling unappreciated by his boss or whatever. And he said, you know what? I'll show you, motherfuckers. If you don't like my computer, it'll just blow everything up. Right, exactly. Yeah, because basically what happens is the computer gets told something that it doesn't want to hear. Yeah, so it, it doesn't just blows want to everything up. It's a metaphor for YouTube comments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck you, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Jessica and Logan escape as everything starts exploding all over the place. And there's more murdering and shooting. And, um, and now we have scenes of... Uh, Buildings exploding and rubble and debris and people on fire. And we cut to the outside where they've left old man. And uh, the people come walking up and uh, there's lots of them. And they've never seen an old man before. And one adventurous woman comes up and touches his face. And, and then all the other ones surround him in what I imagine that is going to be touching. The, I don't think they're going to devour him. It looks a lot like a zombie <laughs> it scene. It does look a little intimidating at first. Like, what um, are they and do? there's Logan and Jessica smiling down and like, oh, look, they've, they've, they've discovered this old man. See, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to ignore the fact that no one here has any survival skills and they've been taking care of their whole life. I anticipate a massive starve-off in our (laughs) future, which is going to break down to cannibalism and horribleness, because none of these people know how to care for themselves. It it turns out this probably leads to the Mad Max world. (laughs) (laughs) Everything just totally goes to shit, like, almost immediately. Oh, my gosh. Because that's where we end the movie. This is the end of the movie where all the people are like, oh, an old person. Um, I'm cold. I'm only wearing, like, um, nothing, pretty much. Oh, hey, where's the sex dens out here where I can have sex without getting pregnant? (laughs) Oh, those don't exist. I barely know what sex is. Sorry. Would you like to see a cat? Yeah, right. Can we, I can, can we eat it? <laughs> I can tell you everything you would ever want to fucking know about cats, if that'll help. <laughs> so everyone starves and dies. The yeah. end. <laughs> so, Steve. <clears throat> uh, what are uh, What's your opinion yeah. on Logan's Run? <laughs> I mean, I like it, but it's one of those movies that I... I when you when you watch it today, it is. I mean, people do still occasionally talk about it, and it does. It is. It's sort of the perfect movie for our format because it is. It's pop It's a pop cultural touchstone. Yeah, lots of people reference. It's it. remembered. It's relatively well remembered. Mm-hmm. And I I watch it now and I wonder like, I mean, it's it's there's nothing outstandingly awful about it, but it it just doesn't strike me as the type of a movie that would be remembered. 40 years later 
you know, I mean, uh, the some of the set design, the model work, where you see them traveling from from there one mall. There was no set design. I mean, they just like, redecorated existing buildings I mean, the, that looked kind of futuristic. I mean, the, they were in Mall of America for fuck's sake. I mean, the model shots where you know where, oh, where, right, they're, right, right. where they're traveling like from one mall to another, and I mm-hmm. mean, some of that is kind of cool. Uh, it 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 never is plausible as anything other than a model. Uh, you never, no. you never look at it, and you're aware the whole time that you're looking at a, a miniature. Uh, yeah, even when they, even when they do uh, um, uh, layover shots where they have live people in these models, it's obvious that it's a model, and they've just added little people walking around. Yeah, in, in those shots. Yeah, but there's uh, there's there's a certain charm to it. Um, but it's it's oddly, I mean, there's not much of a plot to it, but it, I almost would have to describe it as a plot-driven movie because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of time spent on character stuff. I mean, you would think that this movie would would rise and fall on Logan's character arc, and yeah. there's really not that much attention paid to that. I mean, Logan does change yeah. from the beginning of the movie to the end. At the beginning of the movie, he is a maniac. He is <laughs> a gleeful in his work, and his work is awful. You know, I'm I'm the person that always complains about how, you know, I need someone to change from the beginning to the end. And he does change, but they do it in this kind of ham-fisted way. Yeah. Where we don't get to appreciate the moments as to where his his viewpoints change and where, where, where his thinking becomes different. And, um... You know, it's. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna say this right now because I was gonna bring up the writers. Uh, George Clayton Johnson mm-hmm. is a uh, veteran sci-fi writer. He wrote for The Twilight Zone, and he wrote The Man Trap. Yes, for Star Trek. And uh, the way I summarize the, my view on Logan's Run is this: It's the last sci-fi movie before Star Wars. Yeah, and it really shows what Hollywood's approach to sci-fi was until Star Wars hit. And um, this feels very much like a plot to Twilight Zone. Or, more specifically, if they had shown shots of this world and then uh, Kirk, Bones, and McCoy beam down, that's an episode of Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Where they show up and they're like, welcome, Captain Kirk. On our planet, everyone dies at 30. Well, I've got problems yeah, with that. <laughs> which, I mean, the, you could, you, the, 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 the premise of everybody having to die at 30 is, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it reminded me when I first watched it of, of a Twilight Zone like of a tw- like that that's totally a twilight zone episode everybody dies at it 30. reminds me more of a uh, of a truck yeah, plot it, more than anything it, yeah. else and with all the hand to hand fighting at the end oh yeah but it is, and, it is it's one of those things yeah where like captain kirk would would beam down and have a huge problem with it and mm-hmm. and single handedly change their whole society and then and then spock would fuck up the computer with logic yeah yeah exactly which actually happened i mean that yes. that is that literally is a plot point from a star trek episode where mm-hmm. they basically give Nomad a math problem that it can't solve, and it just blows up. Um, or they, or they, they screw around with androids yeah. and make smoke come out of their ears. Yeah, it's nice to know that that computer programming will have regressed so far by the twenty third century <laughs> that all all you have to do is pose an unanswerable question to a computer, and it'll just fuck it up fatally. 
but I mean, it's like they had feral children, yeah. which was also borrowed from Star Trek. They had the the uh, society run by a computer borrowed, borrowed from, from Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, right. Um, and the thing is, is that the, the reason why this the movie doesn't really work for me is that it is literally an hour or a half hour premise stretched to an hour and a half. There's a lot of walking around. Yeah, and there, there's a lot movie. of going to different locations, like sort of just for the sake of having them go someplace. Exactly. There's not really a need for them to go to Cathedral other than just to have that scene. That scene could have... that yeah. that the, the plot and character stuff in that scene could have been done anywhere else. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And a lot more efficiently. But they needed to show everyone what carousel was and that's uh, people yeah. in spandex uh, flying around a room and then exploding yeah, yeah. fireworks mm-hmm. um and this also is a movie that does not bear up to uh, scrutiny when you start asking why things are like the way they are and how things are done the whole movie just falls apart oh yeah and and yeah like we were talking and during our summary i mean there there are areas of this premise and of this plot where it really feels like the writers or the director or whoever was primarily in charge of presenting this story in this way just didn't think through the implications no I mean, there, and that, there's no I sense mean that, that and that works for an hour drama yeah. sci-fi show or a half hour uh uh twilight zone but it doesn't work when you have an hour when you have uh, this is almost a two-hour movie it's 119 mm-hmm. minutes um, when you have 119 minutes, you would expect a better explanation. You would expect the computer to go, well, this is the reason why we did this. Yeah. But no, no one has that information. The, the computer doesn't have that information. Logan doesn't have that information. The old man, old cat man doesn't have that information. We're literally just like, here's the world, just accept it. Oh, okay, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I kind of would like to know why 30 was chosen and <laughs> how these people get food and how these how anything is manufactured. Who made the, the, the drug balloon that Francis throws up in the air and the pink cloud comes down? Who's manufacturing that? Who's making the babies? <laughs> yeah, it, it's something that you an anthology series can get away with because you figure, okay, there's a point being made here. Let's just accept the mm-hmm. premise and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. But well that's the other thing is it the the point of the movie, the the satirical element, the the social commentary is really really low too. It's very yeah, weak. You yeah, you can't really you don't really watch this movie and go, "Oh yeah, I see what he's saying." I mean, part mm-hmm. of that I think is because Logan's character doesn't come across nearly as strongly as it as it should. So, yeah. it's difficult to figure out what Logan wants. It diffi- mm-hmm. It's difficult to to figure out what is his motivation in any given scene. Well, the whole movie seems to only hint at the satire that it wants to poke. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a there, the really cynical part of me is like, well, this is a bunch of old men that hate young people. Yeah, this was made by a bunch of old people who feel that they were being um, slowly nudged out of society by young people. So, uh, you know what? We're just going to make a whole society of nothing but young people, and there are no old people in it. Yeah. Yeah, that, is this what you see, want? It's horrible. You and your free love and drugs. The, the closest thing I could come up with, and I, I, I freely admit that most of this is probably just me reading things into the movie that aren't really there or that aren't uh-huh. there in any significant quantity. But something struck me about the ending where, you know, 
of course, plot wise, it makes no sense why the computer would just completely destroy itself. Right. Um, this is technically the computer that's running everything. Yeah, the computer that runs everything destroys itself because it gets new information, basically, is what happens. <laughs> and, and in terms of plot and in terms of, you know, making any kind of sense within the world of this movie, that makes no sense at all. But mm-hmm. maybe there's some kind of message as to, in order for the people of this city to be liberated from this system that, you know, was sort of requiring them to go to their deaths at age 30... Uh, right. the, the the entire system had to be destroyed. It wasn't enough for Logan to just come out and yell at them and say, wait, wait, it's not true. They didn't even listen to him. The only way they could be freed from it was to have the entire thing destroyed. But that yeah. kind of loses its impact when you realize that these people they're are all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so if that was the it's point, it's the same problem that across. I had with The Matrix. Yeah. The Matrix, the premise was that... Um, you know, Mobius was going to shut down the machines and release everybody out of these out of these eggs. Um, you don't have enough people to collect everyone that's going to come spewing out of these eggs. Nor can you feed them. Nor can you even house yeah. them. Yeah. So everybody's going to die. About, everybody's <laughs> going to die, Mobius. Great plan. That's kind of the same thing here. Everyone is is released. No one has any survival skills. They don't probably don't even know. I mean, for the love of God, Logan didn't even know what the sun was. <laughs> He was even kind of unsure if it was outside at first. That first night, I think this is outside. Within two hours of all those people leaving the dome, half of them are probably dead from exposure, or just walking off a cliff <laughs> or whatever. Oh shit! Gravity. <laughs> I forgot about that. So I mean, well, I appreciate. You know what? How I would describe this film? Quaint. Yeah, that's a good word for it. It, and I, you know, I don't usually use that word, but it's a quaint little, despite all the nudity. Um, <laughs> Even the nudity quaint, is charming in its way. It's a charming film because it's that very last old school sci-fi film that hangs itself on a single premise, much like Planet of the Apes. Yeah. It has a to- it has a feeling a lot like Planet of the Apes. Very too. much, yeah. Um, which was also written by someone who, who excelled in anthology series. Yeah. But the difference is Planet of the Apes took its premise and explored it. You know, really, I mean, it was Rod Serling. Yeah. What were you expecting? He wasn't going to, he wasn't going to half-ass a script. <laughs> he was, he wanted to explore the the philosophical and moral implications of this reverse society and really use it to speak on the current one. This, Logan's Run doesn't do that. It kind of just throws out these kind of things and doesn't really make any commentary on it. And then it becomes a chase picture yeah. for a little while. And then they throw in some other stuff. Oh, we, well, let's put a robot in it. And, um, you know, if they wanted to make something more solid, the old man that they would have met would have been able to show them the benefits of age and wisdom and knowledge. Instead, they find a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who spews T.S. Eliot. If I was them, I'd be like, oh my god, is this what being old means, is being a crazy person? <laughs> they kind of invert that that trope of, you know, like they're in movies like this where characters sort of go on a quest. There's mm-hmm. that trope where they encounter people that just magically know everything. Mm-hmm. And this movie is exactly the opposite. The, the The people they encounter on their quest don't know shit. The robot doesn't know anything. The old man doesn't know anything. Like there's they, there's no help for them anywhere they go. <laughs> Maybe that's the metaphor for life. Maybe. Then. Maybe this movie's darker. 
Maybe and deeper than we thought. Maybe the moral is, hey, you know what? We're all screwed. Or maybe a bunch of people in Hollywood said, hey, let's make some sci-fi shit and make a shit zillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and let's put tits in it. And Farrah Fawcett, that's good too. Yeah. And kids like robots. Put, <laughs> put a, robot a robot in it. This is a robot. <laughs> Why do people in the 50s so, and 60s pronounce it as though it had a, an eye in it? I don't this know. This is a robot. So, Steve, would you recommend Logan's Run? I, you know, see, this is it's so many of these recommendations are like could go either way because I don't think it's a bad movie, but at uh, the same yeah. time, it's not like a great movie, and it's not a good movie yeah, either. It's, just, it's a curious movie. It's a curiosity. I mean, I do. You know what it is? It's a time yeah, capsule of Hollywood. It is, and I think you really hit on something about this being one of the last major sci-fi movies before Star Wars because you mm-hmm. know after for better or worse after Star Wars Hollywood for the most part just stopped making movies like this. Um yeah. And the closest we get are like um is like total recall. Yeah. Anything any of the Philip K Dick adaptations are are as close as we get to this type yeah, of Yeah, where there is actually there's a premise with kind of a trick to it or a twist. It's not just a western set in space it actually right, exactly. it has like a sci-fi twist or a film noir set in the future yeah, <laughs> yeah. or a mo- or a haunted house movie on a spaceship yeah basically like just take let's take some of the old tropes and just we'll put them in space there yeah. you go i i'm waiting for madame bovary on a satellite <laughs> madame bovary on a satellite perfect <laughs> So I, I would so, not recommend it on its own merits as a film. I can't. I just. I can't do that. But I mean, if you if you've never seen it and you want to and you're curious about it, it's not the worst way yeah. to spend two hours. But no, if you want to if you want to not take something seriously and have a chuckle at how uh, quaint and bad scenes are, <laughs> or how laugh out loud funny some of the dialogue is, um, go for it. None of the performances are, are awful. No, um, Usenoff gets a little hammy. <laughs> but uh, that's you know that's about it. You'll you'll spend a lot of time going. That guy is definitely older than thirty. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it's you know, definitely don't schedule time and go. I'm going to watch Logan's Run now and expect to have this kind of <laughs> satisfying movie experience. You have to approach it from knowing when it was made and knowing full well that in a year everything changes for this genre everything yeah. changes and um and that's that that is for the most part uh, what it is to me at any rate um so i enjoy i do i do enjoy it but uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna wholeheartedly recommend that you have to see it or otherwise your knowledge of movies is is damaged no. You know, go on YouTube and find the best clips. Yeah, there you go. Find the find the scenes with the with the robot and just watch watch the <laughs> box scenes, and then judge on and that we- whether or not you're going to watch the rest of the movie. Right. And now it's time for recommendations. Steve, do you have a movie that you'd like to recommend? I do. Actually, the movie I'm recommending is another sci-fi movie. It's from about ten years before this film. Um, and it has a similar premise, and it's adapted from a much more famous story. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm recommending uh, Francois Truffaut's film of Fahrenheit 451. 
Oh, hoity-toity. Um, yeah. <laughs> Francois Truffaut was one of the great French New Wave directors, and of course he's, he's known primarily for his films uh, that he made before Fahrenheit 451, like uh, The 400 yeah. Blows or Jules and Jim. Um, just mm-hmm. a really, really great filmmaker, if you, if, if you guys listening have never, you know, been interested in his films or seen his work. He's a really great filmmaker. And uh, Fahrenheit 451 is his film of the Ray Bradbury story. And it's a very, in the broad strokes, it's a very similar story to uh, Logan's run. We, the, the main character is someone who is sort of, sort of begins as a member of this society, this dystopian future uh, where everybody everybody seems to be doing okay, but there's this very there's this lurking sort of totalitarianism behind everything that makes it oh uh oh it's things aren't as good as they seem like they are and and he he's mm-hmm. gradually woken up to how bad things really are that he never realized they were before so it's in the broad strokes it's a very similar story but I feel like yeah it's much better executed <laughs> and it makes its points in a much more satisfying way than Logan's run does. So um, it, it mm-hmm. was it was Truffaut's first color film. It uh, co-star or it, it stars Julie Christie, one of the great actresses in cinema history. It stars Oscar mm-hmm. Werner, who also was uh, Truffaut's lead in Jules and Jim, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite films ever. And um, it's it's a it's a pretty good movie. And it, and I will also say that it's one of the few films that actually captures uh Bradbury's kind of uh I wouldn't say a lyrical kind of approach to sci-fi. He's not he uh, Bradbury is not a uh a hardcore sci-fi writer. He he almost writes in prose sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um and that's kind of hard to capture on film because he can be so flowery and descriptive in a lot of his passages. And Fahrenheit 451 is one of those films that's still important now because we're still dealing with the same shit. It applies so so often and so readily. yeah. A lot of what it uh, what it comments on is the unfortunately are sort of universal themes, things that every generation mm-hmm. has to deal with. So yeah, it, it it makes its its allegorical and its satirical points. Every time I see an emoticon, I think of Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that's my recommendation. <laughs> cool. I'm going to recommend a movie that actually predates uh, uh, Logan's run by a little bit and is um, closer to, I would have to say, Star Wars um, and has a uh, a social message, uh, a pretty heavy-handed one, but still has one. And that is 1972 science fiction film Silent Running, starring uh, Bruce Dern as the last tree hugger in space. <laughs> He's basically in this future world, all plant life on Earth has died out, and he and a couple of assholes, I'm just going to say it, a couple of jerks, have been tasked with caring for the last forests that are alive on these big uh, platforms that are uh, um, on, uh, they're under geodesic domes, and I think they're uh, currently in orbit around Saturn. And this is the last plant life anywhere. Apparently there's nothing left on Earth. Don't ask me how Earth is alive. We never see Earth in in the course of the film. Um, And uh, Dern um, is closer to these three little robots. um, Huey, Dewey, that he nicknamed Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And they they call them drones in the the film. 
um, who also help him care for the plant life. And he's not really that close with the other, the other guys on the ship. And the whole plot revolves around the fact that they get orders from, from Earth to say, uh, jettison the, the forests, blow them up with nukes, because metaphor, and <laughs> come home because we want to use those uh, ships you got for cargo. And uh, Bruce does not like that at all. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil the plot or anything like that, but it's one of those films that had definitely had a social message. Uh, the special effects are, are far more realistic. Um, in my memory, I keep pushing Silent Running closer to the 80s than it actually was. It came out in 72. Um, but it has a definite uh, more realistic look, and that has a lot to do with the fact that it was directed by Douglas Trumbull, mm-hmm. who uh, did all of the special effects for 2001 A Space Odyssey and um, uh, did work on things like The Andromeda Strain and things like that. So it had a, it had a more realistic look and feel to it than, say, Logan's Run did. Um, it's a good movie, and I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but it's definitely a movie that uh, I don't think too many people have actually watched. I know that people have referenced it, but Silent Running, you know, I guess maybe it's its title because it doesn't have space in it or something. Maybe they should have called it Space Forest and the Adventures of Bruce the Tree Hug. I don't know. <laughs> that was the Saturday morning animated spinoff. But it's definitely, you know, like, yay forest, boo humankind. That was prevalent. There's a lot of boo humankind going on in the 1970s. We were not happy with ourselves. <laughs> um, but I I love the film. Have you seen it? Yeah, I think it's a really good movie. And it's it's a mm-hmm. really, even though it's not as, as widely remembered, uh, it's mm-hmm. a really influential movie. A, a lot of filmmakers yeah. in the later portion of the 70s and into the 80s, either because they have mm-hmm. said so themselves or because you can just see it in the films, uh, were influenced yeah. by Silent Running. Well, Lucas yeah, was. Oh, yeah, definitely. Lucas definitely was. So, uh, that's it. Do you disagree with our review of Logan's Run? Have you never heard of Logan's Run and now you're chomping at the bit to go watch it or not, depending on how you reviewed it? <laughs> do you have a recommendation for us to see another film? Guess what? We actually do take recommendations. This movie was a recommendation from a listener who said, hey, do Logan's Run. And we were like, oh, we don't have anything other, anything else to do on a Sunday. Um, just remember that we only do movies that are at least 10 years old and have some sort of... Uh, name for themselves, whether it's good or bad. But bad movies yeah. make for better podcasts, so if you can think of a bad movie that we can review, that would be but, awesome. but we're not doing any of those fucking Olsen Twins movies, so don't even ask. No, we're not. This is not a bad this movie This is not a bad movie podcast. podcast. It has to be a movie of note. We're not, we're not going to try to pretend that the Olsen Twins movies had any influence on yeah. the genre. So just watch your Olsen Twins movies on your own, you fucking perverts. We're not going <laughs> to have any part in it. Right. So until next time, this has been Jason Hart. And Steve Shives. And go see a movie this week. And remember, if your god computer sends you outside to find the runners, just don't forget... There is no sanctuary. Oh no, my computer's exploding. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>